0: Hey, Liz, it's snowing.
1: snowing. We made it to Friday and it's snowing. Okay, sorry. I don't know your area of the world very well. Is that a big deal?
0: It's a huge (laughs) deal because we all go completely nuts. We lose our minds, everybody here, because we don't get snow, but maybe once or twice max a year Um, and our, because of where we're located, um, the weather predicting is really challenging and, and hardly ever accurate. And then add to that that, well, two other variables. One is we're very, it's very, very hilly here. And so you slide down hills really easily, regardless of whether you have four-wheel drive. And because snow happens so rarely, we don't have the equipment. The yeah. snow removal equipment because it doesn't make f- fiscal sense for right. the um, municipalities to invest in that. But so it just, it's pandemonium here when it snows.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's Friday. Go out and have fun and play in the snow. Hmm. That is
0: absolutely my plan. Um, maybe later, though. I like, I want to stay where it's nice and nice and toasty warm
1: inside. So I'm looking at our temperature. So it's 20 degrees here and feels like 12. And we've got this much snow all over. Snow is just a thing that happens
0: for you all the time, got it. Okay.
1: But it still keeps us indoors. And it still drives me stir crazy because I haven't been able to get outside and the sidewalks are icy and the roads are slushy and. So it's still hard. Um, it's kind of a
0: novelty here. I think you know we get crazy, but we also get excited, and then we get sad if it doesn't come to fruition, which is about eighty percent of the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's fun. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Oh well, I promised I'd update you on my intermittent intermittent fasting experiment, so I can certainly do that.
0: Wonderful, and I. I've had genuine self care on my mind lately and with respect to myself and um, I'm wearing my, my Stevie uh, kimono because I, I kind of needed some, some mentoring from my future self today. That, okay. um, so we can talk about that too, but first I want to hear
1: your update. Okay. So it's, it's been two weeks as of today that I started. Um, and I know you were a little worried that I might be that personality type that would go overboard um, and, and need, you know, a governor of some sort. I, I'm not that kind of personality type <laughs> to see you now. Um, if I do go overboard, it's the other direction. So I'll tell you the story. I tell I'll tell you, you know, who I've been um, researching and, and all that stuff. Um, but the funny part is on the Friday that we did this first show, I said, you know, Saturdays and Sundays will be free game. And then I wanted to do this intermittent fasting um, with only a four hour weeding, uh, eating window, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so Friday, that Friday evening, we were actually traveling to um, Wisconsin from Michigan Um, so I cheated a little and I started eating a little early, um, because it was, it was a six, six and a half hour trip and there was snow on the roads and we had snacks in the car. So I started cheating a little early, not bad, but you know, just little nuts and trail mix stuff and the trail mix that I had at that point um wasn't the good wasn't the healthiest it would included winter m&ms m&ms yeah <laughs> you know and the dried fruit all the stuff that you think is healthy which is not at all so i will confess i did that and then uh, we finally got there and they're an hour behind us so um, the time was all wonky um so because i said weekends were free game of course you know we're in wisconsin and what are they known for Cheese. cheese cheese so you know they have you know cheese curds which is just fried cheese It's but it's really good so we had to get cheese curds that night and then i i love chicken wings i don't know what it is i always have loved chicken wings so i had to get the the chicken wings and the cheese curds and i'd had the trail mix and And so that was about it that Friday, you know, a couple of beverages, Um, but then Saturday and Sunday, I knew it was free game. And so, you know, more chicken wings and more cheese curds. And you know what, they have awesome cheesecake. (laughs) And then we went to some restaurant and they had some red velvet cake and I never eat like this, but I had my mind set. I was going to enjoy and and really follow my diet by the letter of the law. So Sunday we left there about 6 p.m. their time and it truly was the polar vortex ice and snowstorm from Wisconsin through Chicago and then back to Michigan. So we snacked the whole way back and got home about 1:30 in the morning, our time. I kid you not, I was in the bathroom like five times that night, it was so bad. your body was like, what in the hell are you doing to us, Gwen? So bad. So my lesson there, which carried on the last couple of weeks was, you know, you can say "I'll, I'll have this period of time where I can eat and I can eat whatever I want to reward myself. But pay attention to how you think you're going to feel the next day, and the next day, and the next mm-hmm. day, and mm-hmm. and really learn, you know, what what makes you feel good and and what doesn't. So what I have learned is that even though I can eat whatever I want in whatever windows, um, salt still makes me feel like a tick the next morning. Oh my God, the bloat, and it just doesn't feel good. I mean, my rings are tight. Um, sugar, it, you know, it just kind of the same thing. And, and that's more about you just feel so tired the next day, and a, and a little grumpy. Um, so I just still have to watch the carbs, I have to watch the sugars for sure, and, and the salt. And, and I tweaked it then throughout the last few weeks so that, um, on Saturdays and Sundays, rather than free game, I'm going to give myself an eight hour window and try to use my head. Um, and, and I'm going to apply that to Fridays as well, because the truth is by Friday at three, you know, I'm ready to at least have some nuts or, or something and, and enjoy a little bit so I've shifted to four hour eating windows Monday through Thursday and eight hours Friday Saturday Sunday and I can make those whatever time of the days that I want and I can flex it and that's kind of fun um, and gives me a little bit of sense of control over the whole thing Um, I did uh, a lot of viewing of uh, Dr. Uh, Jason Fung. Uh, He's a nephrologist out of Canada and he's done studies for years and has proven that intermittent fasting is just allowing your body time uh, without food so that it has a chance to clean out the insulin and clean out all that you prevent all of those insulin spikes. Um, And it just allows your body to clean itself. Um, He has been able to have patients that were diabetic move back from their medication and eventually move off medication. I'm not diabetic, but like everyone else, I am a mid fifties woman. So I have to be careful. Um, So I I trust him implicitly and he's got a lot of studies if you ever want to look at him. And then Dr. Alan Goldhammer has uh, done water fasting for over 30 years out there in California and has a, a group called True North. So they have research and they have all kinds of information about how this can be good for you. I'm not doing water fasting um and when i say even i'm fasting i will still have black coffee and i will still Mm -hmm. put some you know cream in the coffee Mm -hmm. anything that doesn't have my insulin spike Mm -hmm. there was interesting yeah i mean there were times when um i was supposed to be fasting and i just started to feel a little lightheaded and i'd get some raw almonds and have some and i feel like you know that's fine um, the funny part is it's not that hard. The Thanks. funny part is I'm not hungry. The weird part is, um, I figured out as I journaled that during the days when I'm fasting, the reason I uh, go downstairs to the kitchen, um, is cause I'm bored. Or the reason I grab something is because I'm stressed and I want to choose something. So I've had to get gum and just put, you know, sugar-free gum around, and maybe the pure, purest fasters would say that goes against a fast, and you know, that's just something I have to do. I've also figured out it bothers my my daughter and my husband, so used to, I'd go downstairs and I'd hang out in the kitchen and we'd snack during the day, Mm. throughout the day. And now when I go down, um, if I just stand and talk, they're like, what's wrong, aren't you hungry? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm good, I'm good. And then sometimes I'll just go downstairs and walk around the house because as I said, it's 20 freaking degrees here and I can't go outside and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm walking. And they're like, what's yes, weird? I'm like, so it would be normal and fine if I walked down into the pantry and was sitting there eating. But it's weird that I'm coming down here and walking around the house. I mean, what's weird about that? Well, I what that reminds me of is just how um
0: how when we try to make positive changes in our lives it doesn't just impact us it impacts those around us and sometimes that that can be a great thing and other times it's you know it it makes people uncomfortable because if you're going to change do i have to change like i remember ian and i talking about our um, new year's resolutions and he made the mistake of saying i might want to improve my muscle tone I might. And I was like, oh, we work out together. We can work out. And he's just like, never mind. Never no, forget I said it. Forget I said it. And and he even was like, Don't bring this up again to me unless I bring it up to you. And it was a clear signal that he didn't want me to come in and like micromanage him and make that. my right and make my fitness goals his fitness goals. Right. He didn't want that. And um I, my big thing is that, um, I've decided I'm going to go back to school again for, to get my, um, health and wellness coaching certificate. Okay. And, and so just listening to this and thinking about, um, just how you approach people who want to make change, but have a lot of anxiety around it and can, we can all go to extremes. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm going to have to be really careful and mindful about mm-hmm. uh, because I do, I mean, it's no secret that I have, um, I'm a high energy person and I can get, I can be a real cheerleader and that can be overwhelming for people. So, um, even as you were talking about your experience, I was trying to be careful to not be like, well, then what happened and how much <laughs> weight did you lose? And you know, like, cause that's just not helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. Yeah. And as you work with clients, that family dynamic really is critical. So the other, the other piece I haven't yet mentioned is at least for me, when you are shifting what you eat and when you eat, um, I don't know what it is, but there's such a relationship, I think to eating times and eating with family that that's, a bonding experience of some sort 100%. or a relationship. And so my husband generally cooks, I might make some side dishes, but he generally mm-hmm. cooks, he plans the menu. So there were a couple of days that I shifted my eating window to the like noon to four. And then when it was time for dinner, I would help and then sit down and we just have a you know cup of coffee or a glass of water seltzer water or whatever. He did not appreciate that at all. Um, It it was, yeah, I knew you were doing this, but I planned this meal for us and I cooked this for us. And okay, yeah, you could package it up and save it for lunch tomorrow, but, and I thought, wow, you know.
0: Love language, I'm wondering, I'm sitting here wondering like, is that how, like, like shows his love
1: for you is I to cook for you. Think So, but I didn't really get that. So, mm-hmm. so I talk about I can flex this and I can flex that, mm-hmm. but there's this other relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a way that he receives value and love from me is by me participating and fully mm-hmm. appreciating what he cooks every evening for us
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i'm i'm having to think through that yeah a little bit that's, mm-hmm.
0: that's hard i yeah, i've been working on self-care too um as you know and i had a, a really uh impactful conversation with my counselors. She's been my counselor for 12 years and i absolutely adore her and she's retiring so i'm trying to like suck every ounce of yeah. the marrow of her wisdom before yeah. we're done. Um, she's retiring at the end of March. And so this last time we were talking about um, all of the ways that I have tried to create structure to have self-care and to pr- promote and prioritize that. And the, the really interesting, <laughs> Thing she brought up is when are you doing things that are taking care of you because you're checking a box and it's just one more thing that you've added versus you're actually getting the mental and emotional benefit from the thing Mm -hmm. and I was that was kind of I don't know for me it was a bit of an epiphany because I am a doer I always have been I always will be I just do, 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 do all the time, right? If you have something that needs um, to come to fruition, call me and I'll make it happen. But I'm really, I really am bad at just being, sitting and being present and being mindful, which is why that's my thing to do, right? For 2021 is to be mindful. And so she started interviewing me about all of the things that I've put on my roster to do self-care. (laughs) And then she listed them back to me. And she's just like, what, how does this make you feel when I list back to you that I started a Sunday strollers walking club, I started a book club, I work out on zoom three times a week with my two girlfriends. I've been trying, I've been trying to get Ian and I to walk in the morning together. Oh, I said, I'm going to do 50 hikes in 2021. Um, You know, she is listing this back to me and she says, when I look at this list, I'm just exhausted. So, so she said, so what do you think that's about that? Your idea of self-care is to make this long list of to do's for yourself. Do this
1: and this, and this, and this, and get somebody else to do this. (laughs) Right. Well comes back I think for me that
0: to a central premise of um, my my personal struggle and that is that I'm much more comfortable doing than I am being because when you're being you're just you're quiet and there are 12 squirrels living in my head. I don't know if I've mentioned the squirrels to you before, but they're they're there. They live in my head and they're bouncing around. They're all in crack. Um, they're regularly hosting raves together. Oh wow. And so they're yeah, not the squirrels. So, <laughs> no. Oh no, 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 no. They are not calm. And they and, and it's really difficult for me to just sit quietly for five minutes. She challenged me. That's my challenge between now and the next time, that every day that I have to sit and do nothing and just be, I can listen to an app and we talked about that. Um, I need to find a new app because the one that I've been listening to, um, Headspace, it's fine, it's just that there's a lot of, and breathe, and just notice, notice your breath, just, just, Don't think about anything right now. And when someone tells me to breathe, do you know what my reaction is? No. Don't effing tell me to breathe. You breathe. I'm going to hold my breath now. (laughs) Or am I, am I breathing right? Is this the correct breath? Did I hold the breath for long enough? Did I let it out and make the right sound? And so it just, it's not helpful so that's my challenge i have to find a way to um to just be for five minutes a day and to just try to quiet the squirrels and um, we'll see you can ask me next time how i did
1: yeah well i've got a question for you and kind of an analogy i think i'm wondering you know What kind of car do you drive? Escalade. Okay. And when you're driving, you drive in the right lane generally, the left lane generally? Left. Do you race ahead of the other drivers trying to beat the other drivers or stay on pace or try to stay behind? depends on how late I am. I have a problem
0: with lateness that everyone in my life knows about me. If I'm not running late, I just hang with the pack. Okay. But a lot of times I'm late, in which case I'm like maneuvering, constantly maneuvering, which has resulted in quite a few tickets, (laughs) quite a a few middle fingers from other
1: drivers. (laughs) Okay, so maybe you're late and you're getting the middle finger because you've piled on too much. And yet your natural tendency or your natural pace might be just a natural normal pace in line with the other drivers. Mm -hmm. Which I wonder means if your normal pace generally is a normal pace, rather than your hurry scurry, trying to take things on, which makes me wonder do you take things on to avoid Calm. Yes. Yeah. It kind of sounds that way. Yeah. yeah. That's what we got to uh,
0: in our session because I I have um, I have anxiety. Like I'm just I'm a naturally anxious person, and many people are. Oh. Um. And that's it's increasingly losing its stigma. People are more more and more comfortable saying yes, I'm an anxious person. Right. Right. Um. And it's two sides of the coin. One, in, in one sense, my anxiety is what makes me so highly functional. But the flip side of that is my anxiety makes it really difficult for me to calm down and just chill. Because the minute I'm, I'm a little bit quiet, like maybe if you think about the 12 squirrels, and I've got three of the 12 squirrels chilled, and they're like mm-hmm. laying in their hammock taking a nap. Mm-hmm the rest of the squirrels are like, Oh, you got the three loudest to be quiet. Now there's some really important things we need to tell you that are really scary and you need to worry about them right thinking now. Mm
1: -hmm. Can we return to highly functional? You said your anxiety is what makes you highly functional. Is Mm -hmm.
0: that
1: true? The anxiety may cause you to do a lot of stuff. Is that the definition of highly functional? Yeah, that's a great question.
0: I think that I need to, to, um, I need to explore that. Am I to what degree am I am I functional? Um, I mean, I would say if you look around at my life, there's like. Things are going good. Everyone's healthy, right? Like my mom is doing so much better now than she was, good. you know, a month ago. And a lot of that is because of me doing, 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 right? She, like found out she was in massive debt, and I went and negotiated with every one of those creditors, and now she doesn't have debt. And so. But what is I think what you're getting at is what is the opportunity cost of all of this doing? What am I missing out on? What's happening with my relationships?
1: And what is your vision for Liz as a high functioning Liz? Um, And the analogy that I was going to that just sprung to me is I was in a coaching session with another coach and a client earlier this week and and she brought up four components of strong executives. And, you know, many, many of this I heard before, but one that she raised, which I hadn't thought a lot about was one quality of a high functioning executive is pace. Mm. And the higher up you get in an organization, you should slow your pace. And I thought, yeah, I guess that's true. But I hadn't really thought about that. And I have had um, bosses in the past use analogies like gears. And mm-hmm. if the top of the organization is a big gear, you know all the other gears that are attached, the farther away, the smaller those gears get. And so just imagine if that big gear at the top is going around like this, how fast mm-hmm. those small gears have to go. Just to keep up and, and his point at the time was if he as the CEO were moving fast, there's no way for the front line to keep up with all the changes. That he was making, even though that felt like a good pace for him, no one else could keep up and they just lose and they quit and they stop. Um, burn out. Yeah, yeah, they burn out. So if you Liz are the CEO of Liz you might have to move slower in thinking truly about what do you want to accomplish and how do you want to accomplish it and move slower just because those around you are smaller gears. And then the reverse, if you let a small little gear keep coming in or a bunch of little gears keep coming in and impacting you, starts jerking you around um yeah yeah that's that's a
0: really good analogy um it'll be interesting too to see how um whenever you start opening back up again um you know how much i rev up the gears and and i really hope that i can be intentional and careful about that you know, because I am very influenced by the people in my community. And so when I see people doing, you know, doing stuff on Facebook or what have you, or I get texts from my mom's squad or other people being like, Hey, did you hear about this thing? And then I'm like, Oh, okay. I have to do that. We, we need to go do that too. Yeah. Let's it's um. it's going to, it's going to get me back to the place I don't want to get to which you know I, we've talked about the pandemic being a little bit of a wake-up call for me about how many things i had my family doing and how often we were just away doing things to do them not because they were meaningful or enriching us mm-hmm. so i'm going to keep this
1: gear analogy in my head thank you yeah try to keep it in your head and i will as well because i have the same issues um and and just think through those small gears are out there but they don't have to necessarily be directly connected to your bigger gear so when you're on facebook you're seeing all that other stuff Um, there might be a few other gears in between you and that smaller gear that you need to rely on to follow up with that smaller gear rather than you always going directly from your big gear to theirs. And, you know, I just have to imagine that we are all CEOs of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when the big advice about how executives should pace themselves is, they should pace themselves slow so that they can think, they can plan ahead, Mm -hmm. they can strategize and they can be mindful and meaningful in the work that they take on. I, I just have to use that analogy for myself as well. I, as the CEO of Gwen, must be mindful and methodical and a planner. Um, otherwise, I'm just reacting to everything else going on around me. Yeah. That's
0: it's an important insight for me to remember. Yeah, not the easy. CEO of myself.
1: Yeah. CEO Yep. And then in terms of my little experiment, it has allowed me to be more mindful. um, Because there's been a lot of time that I'm not running down to the snack room and not eating and not cooking. And so it's given me time just to go, you know, what do I want to think about? And I think when we started this, I had my little number up, I'll pick up I was 114% of my goal at that time, the start. And as of today, I'm 112.5% over my goal, so. good for you. It's working. That's
0: amazing. That's amazing. Well, um, I'm not gonna do it today, but I have been moving my body. That's, I'm not putting, I'm not like, Pressuring myself to run, but I am doing a combination of running slash walking. Okay. And I've tried to do it four times a week, and on and I'm trying not to judge the distance either. So one day I did two and a half miles, and um, it was hard, <laughs> but I felt good at the end. And then the second day I worked out with my friend trainer um dion and then i went one mile and it was the longest mile of my life i stopped <laughs> yeah. like like yeah stopped. oh i've done that I, yeah but yeah. i still did it i went out there it was a mile that i wasn't sitting here you know reading emails or looking at facebook or it yeah. was good and i was by myself i was by myself and I was with myself and I had to listen to the squirrels and I had to be like, okay, squirrels, I hear you, this is hard, but we can do hard things.
1: Yes, you can do hard things. And that is being mindful. So give yourself some credit for not only doing a mile, but for being mindful as you were jogging and walking. That's,
0: that's That's a really, okay. That's the one other, here's another takeaway. I have this misconception that being mindful means you're at peace Hmm. and you're happy and you're content and you have perspective, but maybe I need to change my definition of mindful. It just means that I am, I'm here for it, whatever it is. And sometimes it, that it isn't going to be
1: great. Yeah. Mindful just means you have your mind on whatever you are actually doing. You can be mindful while walking, while running, while chewing, anything for five minutes a day, rather than just doing it on autopilot, not even paying attention to the fact that your body is doing something.
0: Yeah, sometimes being mindful means going, oh, I feel a little lonely right now, or, huh, I'm a little down today, or, you know, I'm. I'm worried that I haven't talked to that person in a while. You mm-hmm. know, are we still
1: friends? Mm-hmm. that
0: That's mindfulness. That's my epiphany for mm-hmm. today.
1: Yeah. Mindful is not the same thing as meditation. They're different.
0: So interesting.
1: Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. So for next week, we're going to keep working on this stuff. I will tell you that. The benefit I've had the last two weeks isn't as much this change in percentage, it is the benefit of being intentional or mindful the next day about how I feel. And then shifting what I do based on how I feel. And I'm feeling better and better and better every day.
0: Awesome. That's really cool. Um, well, next time I'll tell you whether I spent my five minutes and how it went. Okay,
1: sounds good. Now go play in the snow, have fun, have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks. You have a great weekend too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.